Hello and welcome to SoFarscape. Uh, uh, a fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a, a forlorn fan. <laughs> and a frankly still fascinated first-timer. <laughs> I'm cocky. I'm Kay. And this is a story so Farscape. My boys! Oh, oh my beautiful boys! <laughs> Farscape, what have you done? Oh, no. Season 3, episode 21, uh, Into the Lion's Den, part 2, Wolf, Wolf in, in Sheep's, Sheep's Clothing. Clothing. Yes. Which Ricky Manning originally wanted to call Abandoned Sheep. Oh dear. <laughs> uh, and alas, uh, a great loss to us all. The season of death continues to live yes. up to its name, doesn't it? Ostensibly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, ripping the band aid off. I sure hope that you've seen the episode before uh, listening to these, uh, these podcasts. Yes, spoiler alert. I mean, it's a. It's a podcast about the episodes. We never said spoiler alert, but definitely spoiler alert in this case. I have found out that there is at least one person. Hey, Pines, yes, we're talking about you. Our one fan from the previous, like, not very popular podcast that we did, who has never watched the show but continues to listen and, like, Hmm. what is it like? I know. I mean, I could ask uh, my boyfriend. Occasionally he watches an episode with us, but he's listened to far more episodes because he just likes having us two babbling away in the background when he's doing other work and Aww. just like a little bit of listening. So he's like listened to many more episodes of the podcast than episodes of the show that he's seen. I'm not sure that he's actually ever listened to an episode of the podcast about an episode of the show that oh, he's gosh. seen. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's seen some interesting ones. He's seen a lot of part ones of two parts. He's seen at least one part two, two yes. of a three part. I think that was Look at the Princess. Yes. And I mean, an interesting selection of stories Episodes. so far. Yes. But so, Into the Lion's Den, Into ah, the Fire, yes, into the, yes, Onto the Bridge yes. once more, I think. I love all the various animal metaphors in, in, in this two parter. Because it's into the lion's den, and the first one was lambs to the slaughter, and yes. now it's wolf in sheep's clothing. And oh, come going on, with those the theme are, here, yeah, those, those are good. Makes me wonder what part three is going to be. Um, well, let's uh, find let's that next Take week. a look. Oh. Yes, exactly. Well, let's see what our uh, listeners had to say about this episode. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Marky Steele says time is running out for Grasshopper, causing him to make a deadly promise. The crew hatch a plan so bad it can only be theirs, and a farm boy's betrayal leads to an act of true heroism and a new indoor water feature. Does the captain always go down with his ship? Thank you, Marky C. And sometimes a banana in the tailpipe just isn't enough. Flying wormholes ain't like dust and crops. It takes a little finesse, but it is a real Kodak moment. And someone is standing in another's heart about to squeeze. And yep, it broke my 15-year-old heart too, Lucy. Oh, thanks. A heartbroken Lucy. Me too. My God. Because, yes, this is, this is the hero's end for not just one of the, the Moyans, not just one person whose childhood was ripped away from them by peacekeepers who grew up tormented, conflicted, and violent. But two of them, both Crace and Talon, Meet the hero's end. You're actually spoilering for me the fact that they're not actually not coming back? Dude, I could... <laughs> <sighs> this is a, like, Aaron in the chair moment. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, she's coming back. But here also, this would have no value if they came back. No. This would be an unimportant, right? It, it would be a cool. cool scene. Yeah. But this is the end for Crace and, and Talon. Damn. Okay, so like I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised because they played it for way too little if, uh, for uh, huh. to, to do that. You know, 
it was it was something that came up as a last minute thing. It was completely de-emphasized almost. It wasn't played at all for drama or anything. And yeah. it just and it just happened. It's like reading into a Neil Stevenson book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> off your off your soapbox there, Father. <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually just realizing I should have probably prepared for this a, a good deal better because you're right. Like it doesn't have or it didn't have the the enormous lead up that like Zan's death did. Yeah. Although mm, the seeds have been sown and yes. actually we'll probably have to really examine this when we do the the, the season retrospective mm-hmm. to see how the path was laid before because right. there's the various traumas and in one case lobotomization that uh, yes. Talon was subjected to to the increasing, like, confusion and... and bu- okay. oh, so, well, let, let's just get it out of the way right now, because uh, yes. I've got, like, a few other things that I uh, m- uh, noticed about, uh, specifically, Crace. Oh, okay. Um, it was mostly the fact that this whole... The whole speech shit he gives. is He's like, okay, I was going to... Uh, I've been, like, looking out for number one here, and I don't think I'm the only one here, and I do yeah. what's best for me. And then he decides to commit suicide. It seems weird. Well, you're linking two different speeches. One of them was a speech that he told Crichton. Yeah, but they, just, they lead pretty much one directly into the other. He's admitting how he's behaved. Mm. He's not talking about how he's behaving now. Because, okay, well, I, I wasn't able to, to talk about it with you, but like since, yeah. since fractures, remember at the end they had the housemates meeting and that's when Crichton said that he was going to go to the command carrier. Yes. And you saw Aaron joining him and then Chris as well. I think Crace knew what he was going to do when he stood beside John and Aaron. Right. I think he never held hope that Talon could be fixed or yeah. that he would be the same person or that there would be any way to stop Scorpius. Right. So he he basically entwined his own fate with uh, Talon and presumably after he uh, ran off with him and oh, now decided to yeah. take that to the end. Because Talon is not, yeah, wasn't coming back, and Talon was basically a goner. Even if he did come back, he would not be Talon anymore. Yeah, uh, and I mean, I let's call it what it is. He loves Talon. Yes, I right? suppose. Yeah, uh, I he, mean, he yes. probably wouldn't express it in 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 those terms because he's no. had an emotionally stunted upbringing. But yes. that's that's love. Yeah, and of um, course, yeah, he was responsible for the project that created Talon. So yes, I can yeah. see him as his like as his kid. A complicated, right? Like, yeah, parental childhood relationship, as is tradition among peacekeepers. I suppose so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea that he would not allow Talon to go unavenged as well, right? Yeah, because he's right. on on both of their behalves. Kray still harbors a lot of well complicated feelings towards peacekeepers. Oh yes. Okay, now that we've gotten that part of this of the discussion out of the way, let's get on with the episode. Yes, and in an unconventional move, I've got a different sound effect for you this oh. time. It's a little longer as well, so enjoy.
what is this? Who is who is this by and why did they... Uh, this is Keelan King from his uh, Farscape uh, tribute album, Touching Wormholes, and this is Crace E. Okay. Because he's, yeah. it's a track that I discovered in the weeks that we were preparing for the very first episode, and I... Oh, wow. I really You've loved been it. sitting on it for a long time then. Yes, well, there is a verse that talks about his death, so I couldn't really... No, no, fair <laughs> point. Couldn't really share it with you. I will pop a link in the show notes. It's absolutely fantastic. The whole album is a total banger. Yeah, this felt like the time for a fitting tribute to our boy who started off hunting for the man in the white death pod. Yes. So, yes, yes, yes. Let's grab our jeeves and into the episode... Hell, now I'm going to do the right sound effect anyway. Come on. Oh, no. Talon Starburst. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, it's bringing me right back down again. Okay, okay, okay. As befits a part two, we open... Recap. Yeah. A nice long one. Like, yes. there's a lot being set I mean, up again. Yeah, it goes back all the way to uh, Yens Yens uh, to describe the situation with the bracelets. Kreis uh, and his uh, relationship with the lady, a little bit of the history on the the wormhole, so that everybody knows what exactly we were up to. What I really love about this recap is you can follow Scorpius's sort of descent from magnanimity yeah. down to desperation uh, and then grazer. Annoy- and- yeah, annoyance, and then, okay, now he's had enough. You give me what I want, or I swear I will keep you alive so that you can witness your home world's destruction. Yeah, he, he's had it. And I mean, like, he's doing a lot of smacking John around and not doing a lot of flinching himself. Well, he's a tough bastard, I isn't he? I guess he is, yeah. He could also be smacking himself. Yeah. Or breaking his own fingers or so, just as a show of right. power. yeah. But I guess that would look a little a little bit... I would say that it's better to feel the pain of having breaking your finger and not actually having a broken finger than it is to have feel the pain of breaking a finger and to having a broken finger. Yeah. You know? I so, mean, yeah. <laughs> so, not, not something that I love Although to think in, about. In a, in a deliciously petty move, John really gets a bit of his comeuppance <laughs> by smashing his own head against the bulkhead. <laughs> and it's just off screen. Off screen you're here, we go, ow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is another one of those those sort of cliffhangers that's a, that ends on a really intense scene and picks up in that scene and it it sort of deflates. Like, it's not as if anything is really resolved at this point. It's no. just, this is Scorpius's level of bullying where he's at. He's basically going, okay, I'm done, like, pussyfooting around you. You will be producing results or we will be revisiting the terms of our agreement. But he ends the scene, Scorpius does, mm. without receiving anything from John in return. Like, he is just telling John right. how he feels. Yeah. And that's it. Versus you were usually expecting that, okay, they've created this situation where John has no choice but to, like, accede or lie or, or whatever. But he didn't do any of that. I, like, I guess it's just, like, basically his way of motivating his subordinates. Yeah, Which true. is like, you know, I mean, we've seen him do that before. He lays down the law, he puts down a threat, and expects people to do better afterwards. And if they don't, then, then the real consequences come. These little meetings aren't about, like, dishing out consequences or punishment. They are about, like, telling people what the expectations are and making mm. sure that they know how to do, do their job. The Scorpius School of Management. Right, yes. Which uh, evidently has not garnered him a lot of fans. Uh, no, 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 not hardly. Which may also just be fundamental, like, peacekeeper racism, right? 
Mm-hmm. He's he's brought in a bunch of aliens to work on this project with him, which yes, for I mean we see especially in the flashback we see a lot of disdain from the officers who are Ooh, yeah. very much not happy with goings on. But we cut to John and Aaron having a little talk about the fact that basically John is explaining to her what Scorpius just did and how Scorpius threatened them, and they decide to go and have a little. Uh, head to head in the steam room, which is, I believe, is because there's no listening devices there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somehow it's this magical the, steam room where you keep all your clothes on. It's the American Gladiator Arena where. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, at least without the sort of chainsaw or flamethrower armed gentleman. Do you remember what Right, that? yes. I remember him. That was weird. Yeah. Um, so they're all keeping their clothes on. Alas, nobody's wearing those wonderful, wonderful pajamas that they had in the, no. in the previous. Um, uh, it turns out that everybody else is there as well. Everybody's having a little f- a family meeting or a ship uh, b- mates meeting. Uh, I think this is really well set up because Crichton and Aaron and Crace, they walk in on the rest of them having a meeting and they all think that, okay, so we're all agreed. And then Crichton goes, wait, hold on. I think we're having two different meetings. Yeah. Because they're talking about escaping. Yes. And he's talking about blowing it the fuck up. Yeah, that's the only thing we've got left. I tried delaying him. He's not... Uh, oh, no, that's, that's actually comes later, I think. But, yeah, basically no, it comes out... Right. I tried delaying him. That's not working. Okay, now we have to do is blow up the command carrier. And, yeah, everybody else goes like, oh, we were just going to go escape. But, you know, blowing up a command carrier might as well if we can. Do you see Tiana laughing? Like, yeah. Like, just the absurdity of it. How we can stick... A banana in the tailpipe. I do not care how we do it, but we do it. Well, I th- well okay, so I've, yeah. got, I've, I've got my own pet theory about that. Oh. Because um, John says uh, something about, like, sticking a banana up the tailpipe. Right. Right, right. before Chana laughs. And I'm just thinking, like, okay, like, translating <laughs> microbes here would have a hard time, like, translating that kind of metaphor. I think, I think they would have a very easy time of it. I think everyone would completely get what you were talking about. Well, maybe they're not so high on combustion engines with tailpipes here in, in Al-Nabari, and therefore, like, the, it would be seen as a more literal translation of, like, sticking a bit of fruit up someone's ass, well, rather than, yeah. uh, which would explain Chana laughing. So that's my own little headcanon about what's happening in that scene there. I love it. I mean, it's a it's a really interesting like set of reactions because you see, Aaron and Crace, just, just awestruck. Yes, because well, as as far as they're concerned, like you might as well be talking about blowing up a planet, right? There's yeah. fifty thousand people. That's a decent sized country. Mm, small city, right? An island, yeah. right? You you have. I mean, which we, is nothing for peacekeepers. Peacekeepers wouldn't hesitate twice to blow a city up which, with 50,000 people in it. That would be a small change. Sure, but it's different when it's your city. No, when I get that. Yeah. Your home, no, I right? get that, yeah. Right? Uh, it's, a, it's a cognitive dissonance. You're absolutely right. Like, yeah. they have done far worse to other population centers, but this is us. They know every inch of those hallways. Yeah. There's women and children aboard, like they ever. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's something that. Oh, well, yeah, that's what happens with cities. You know, it's, uh, Aaron points out, and so John says, well, we'll have to come up with some plan. And here as well, you see Crace, like, I mean, it'll be interesting to rewatch this. It certainly was for me. What's he thinking in these moments? Because he already right. knows that this is the only real possible action against. Uh-huh. So now that John has said, okay, we have to blow it up. Okay, so the human is caught up with the necessity, so it's becoming real. Yes. I guess it's that, that thing, like, he knew what to do. But I don't think that he's ever really confronted his mortality before. Mm. Chris, you mean? Chris, yeah. yeah. You don't know how you'll face your end until you face it. Yeah, fair point. I mean, yeah, Rigel and Dargo are an easy sell on this plan. Oh, we get to blow up a command carrier. That's fine. I think both of them also think that it's 
very far-fetched. Far-fetched, right, exactly. But, but they don't have any qualms with it. Yeah. We can, like, run away, blow it up. Eh, why not both? Actually, <laughs> Rigel... Rigel says that he saw what could be done with wormhole weapons. Even if by some wild miracle I managed to regain my throne, I won't hold it for long if the peacekeepers have this technology. I know what horrible destruction wormholes can wreak. Nobody should wield such power. Nobody. And he, he doesn't even add unless I'm wielding it. So that's like a real uh, right. mental development for Rigel. Really well <laughs> like, done. Yeah. No one can wield this yeah. power. No, he, 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 he takes that very well. Yeah. Yeah. Very mature of Rigel. Yeah. Right, first cock block attempt from Lieutenant What's-His-Face uh, as, as Kreis tries to get on board Talon. Yeah. I'm going to have to figure out what this fella's name is because uh, yeah, it's well, a guard. Just call, just call him Tarkin or something. He kind of... <laughs> he has a... I mean, we've recently uh, visited the Czech Republic. He has yeah. what sounds to me like a Czech accent or a person mm. who uh, speaks Czech as a, as, as a first language. Some sort of Slav uh, yeah. distinction. Yes, I can see that. There is no reason to deny me access. Scorpius's orders are my reason. He seems to really enjoy informing Kreis that uh, he has yeah. orders from Scorpius. Yes, which is interesting. That Kreis never confronts Scorpius with that, but I guess he doesn't want to uh, alert him to the fact that he's up to something. <sighs> Okay, it's been 22 episodes, 20 whatever years since I've seen this episode, and I just had a thought. If this guard hadn't been here, Crace mm-hmm. would have initiated Starburst right then and there. Probably. That's yes. what he was going to do. Right. He yeah. was just going to go on board and do it, yeah, and not tell anybody else. Not and hold suddenly, a speech, not yeah. hold a, just do it. Yeah, oh, that's a very good point. Whoa. Yeah, that hadn't occurred to me yet. Because why else would he be? going, right? Yeah, he, other than making preparations, but story-wise, that's not interesting. No, but, like, yeah. uh, during the meeting he said, well, we'll need information about all the modifications and da 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 That's just bullcrap. Like, yeah. Dren. Frell. Bull Frell. That's... <laughs> he's just stalling. Frell. No, yeah, that's no. the one. No, she Frell, said... Frell Dren. No. <laughs> uh, oh. I do so love people who don't natively speak a particular language and then very impassionedly, like, trying to do swearing in it. <laughs> Which is, I mean, it's never funny to make fun of somebody else trying to speak your language, but I love how English speakers, when they try to speak a swear in Dutch, mm-hmm. they rely on sort of the English patterns of, of swearing, which are right. like most of Europe, they're based on body functions and sex acts yes. and, and, and nudity. Netherlands is diseases for some reason. Yeah, Dutch swearing is a bad disease. Those are <laughs> yeah. the really bad ones. Like, we can say the, the, the F-bomb and the S-bomb, like, those are just words that people say on television. It's fine if your children yeah. say... It's, it's totally fine. But you don't say the C-word. No. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Losing track here. And with the C-word, we're not talking about the C-word which Americans talk about when they, when they talk about the C-word. Or even the other C-word. I don't know which one, but I'm sure well, that the, like the, there's a c word that Australians toss around very casually. Oh yes, which is like, which is synonymous complete, with com- mate, right? Which is really not done in America to use that c word. Uh, right. We're talking about a disease that starts with a c. I'm thinking about it now. So we've got, I mean, the c word is in this case the Dutch word for cancer, and there's dating, which is. Typhoid. Typhus is also typhoid. There's a lot of typhoid yeah, in Dutch swearing. Typhus. Yes, there is. I mean, I, I guess it was doing the way around, yeah. Cholera. Uh, yeah, that's a clear layer. It's cholera. Clear, yeah, it's yeah. cholera. Cholera, yeah. Uh, and but, you can combine them and you yes. can have various, you know, jobs associated with them. Listen, anyway, okay. 
So we go back to a scene with John and Harvey back in their World War II scene, and they're playing games, and John keeps losing. Yeah, first they're playing chess, Yes, where uh, Harvey almost effortlessly places him in check and he knocks over his king. And then the next one they're playing checkers. Yeah. Where... John tries to take back his move and Harvey goes, I took your hand off. And yeah. it's like... <laughs> and then they're playing go, go fish. fish. Yes. Like, it's just a... How do you play go fish? I don't know. I've, I don't know the rules. I think it's like you have to, like, ask if your opponent has a particular card. Got any sixes? Go fish! <laughs> right, and that's the... But that's not doesn't mean you won. That just means, like, I don't have those cards, and now you have the fourth. And I don't know. I it don't seems know like he won. won. It seems like I he know, won, that's... because that, that would be the pattern for right. this gag. Because what he's asking Harvey is, would Scorpius do it? Would Scorpius spend 60 cycles... And all of these resources just to blow up a planet of someone who wronged him, namely, you know, Me, uh, fulfilling. Yeah. Yes, because that seems like such a wasteful effort. I, like, there's, there's that no doesn't gel with me with how what Scorpius is like. No, and no. that's what we what we do discover in, in the, the end, end. Yes, like he even says, like, what would be the purpose? Yeah, it's a good threat, but it's not a threat that like makes sense to because, fill out. Yes, with. like that's what I want to do now. Before you've ruined it for me, but after right. you've ruined it for me, I don't care. No, and it's it's, it's not going to be a deterrent to anybody else because it's like it's not nowhere near the uh, peacekeeper territories or the nope. uh, uh, uncharted territories. So who but cares? Ha- Nobody would know about it. It would just be petty vengeance against someone who's like dead at that point. So, but Harvey has an interesting like perspective on it. Like he still has the sort of emotional matrix. Yes. That Scorpius had, and like, don't underestimate his capacity for revenge, because the same argument could be made for his relationship with Scarens, right? He had escaped. He's yes. a brilliant scientific mind. He could have accomplished lots of things. He could have led very happy lifetimes. But instead, he chose to go into the military, a military that did not want him as no. an alien half-breed, just to spite the Scarens. So it's really... Well, the Scarens didn't treat him very well. No, you but know, what he... I mean is like... He escaped. Okay, yeah. so now they can no longer affect him. Yeah. What does he want to do? Does he want to choose his happiness or yes. their unhappiness? And, and clearly he made well, a choice there. True, yeah. So after we get him out of that flashback, it turns out he's been doodling on himself. It's like, uh, what's his face? Uh, Kokiru or whatever. Kokura Strappa. Gently sort of nudges him. Like, R- oh, reminds me a little bit of that guy who always sits in uh, uh, the bar at Deep Space Nine. No. Morn. Yes, Oh, who was apparently very handsome when he had all of his... <laughs> no wonder his hair fell out <laughs> at one point. Like, they keep talking about this guy as if he's so loquacious and, yeah. and well-beloved, and you never see him speak. Mm. I think in one of the last episodes when he, like, turns out that he's got a stomach full of gold-pressed latinum or something. Yeah, and then and then Dax goes, oh, no wonder all his hair fell out. Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> anyway, wrong series. So, yes, he's, he's been... been giving himself a henna tattoo. Like, yes. he's just gone to, like, uh, like a Space Lowlands or Glastonbury. Well, he's or- just been kind of, kind of like, staring ahead of him and, like, he stopped writing on the pad. And it's like, okay, so you've, he's got one of those multi-pans that either writes on the data pad or writes on paper or skin, apparently. Oh, it's a kind lovely of cool. stylus. And they're lovely symbols. It is. I was, like, I was trying to see if there was, like, what they were inspired by. Some of them looked a little bit like that... that, that, that Thai script up and down, but others are very oh, different. I'm not familiar Some- with that. There's a lot of, like, dots and lines and squiggles. Yeah. Like, it, it seems... The the shapes seem way too complex to be simple, like, decimal numbers. Oh, yeah. Because you... I mean, you don't need really complex shapes it's to do like, that. It's like, to me, they look like Feynman diagrams, but they don't, really. But it's it's mostly a different kind of Chinese characters is what, what it looks like to me. 
Are you thinking ideograms? Yes. Oh. Which would, uh, that's, why I'm, that's why I'm going to Feynman diagrams, which is basically... You know, you, you pro- you've probably seen them. It's like basically arrows with squiggles and stuff coming from the thing, and it basically describes the decay of subatomic particles. Basically, you're saying, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah no, like, that's... And, that, and that seems like the kind of thing that you'd use for the, for, for wormhole uh, technology. It's like one state changing to a different state and energy uh, oh, getting yeah. free. You know? That's how those are described. Multiple dimensions yeah. all rendered into, and I mean, as as Crichton inspects his hand, and Kokura goes, oh, the data, yes, so much data. Oh, I need to plug in the data. It's all coming to you. You've just resolved the fifth subharmonic and the whatever. I think you've unlocked the fifth level coupling and. And yes. Crichton just goes, so that's how it works. Yeah. And I thought this was fucking brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, it's like his, his dad, I forgot the name of the... Jack. Uh, Jack. Jack, yes. Told him, like, oh, you have to access your subconscious list. And, and he finally figures out how that is actually done. It's like, oh, just like stare ahead and think of something else and start scribbling on yourself and the data just flows Specifically, out. Specifically, like, writing on yourself, which is this beautiful, like, since, like, the very first sort of crypt cryptography since cryptography was a was was any kind of science first yeah. the the like i know the arabic mathematicians were were already very advanced in decrypting and doing frequency analysis on caesar ciphers but like the best formula still to this day is something you know and something you have it's something that you taught me as mm-hmm. a, as a security person and so something you know and something you have knowledge locked away in your mind and your body yeah two things that nobody else in the universe has and so when you combine, like, that's the key to unlocking this knowledge. Use your body that you have. Yeah, and then suddenly it starts flowing out. Yeah, like maybe there's some sort of feedback mechanism that this locked away information can detect the sensations on your skin of the mathematics being produced. And brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I absolutely love it. Okay. Yes. Wow, we're still within the first minute of this episode, aren't oh, we? Oh, dear. Yeah, well, we've talked about a lot that happens further on in the episode as well, so it's fine. We'll get there. Yeah, because uh, now comes the turning of the coat. Crace goes to visit Scorpius with our demand. Okay, yes. However, first we have... Crace has a little one-on-one with the squeeze. Oh, yes, that's right. It doesn't really go anywhere. Laurel, yes. No, but I, I, I do think I have to like mention this because I had a yeah. uh, little moment of like, oh, okay, yes. pause it. And I'm like, <laughs> is that who I think it is? Yes. And you ask me, okay, who is this? I'm like, oh, well, come on. We're in a really good episode. <laughs> and you're like, no, I've got to figure it out. Okay, fine. Well, I'll help you. And I misspelled Laurel because it's actually got an A. And then we found out the actress is called Lenore Smith. And I helped you look up who it was on IMDb. And then uh, I went... Whoa. Yeah, so it's like, sorry, what's her last name? Lorel. Dorinta Lorel. Yeah, Lorel, but her real name. Oh, Lenore Smith. Lenore Smith. Okay, so who actually plays Kate Smith on The Flying Doctors. <laughs> ah, <laughs> the worlds have finally collided. Yeah, it it's all come together. The flying, our flying doctor is actually in uh, Farscape. Yes. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I watched that show religiously back in the 80s, so that's like, you know. So I know almost nothing about it other it's, than it's... it's South, it, it is Australian soap opera. It's, just, it's the Aussie show without the kangaroo, oh, because right. that one's Skippy, which I watched a lot as a kid. And it's also without the, the very breathy, oh, what's he called? The children's program maker, who I don't think is in disgrace. And he... <laughs> Rolf Harris, that's okay. the one. I doesn't ring any bell. Okay, well, some people, yeah, for people who don't have any context, what I was just doing probably sounds like someone having a stroke, but it's, 
But so tell me about like Kate Smith. What does she do on? She's she's one of the nurses on the Flying Doctor. She's like a like one of the longest running characters. I don't think she ever gets replaced during the entire run of the series. Because uh, the Flying Doctors was like mid eighties, like eighty mid to late eighties. Yeah. So she would have been. She was. I mean, she was like a. She would have been eighteen years younger at that point. Yeah, which yeah. That, which looks about right. She was probably like. 20-ish around the time that was on. She was like a young nurse just out of nursing school or whatever it is that they have in Australia and fly working from, uh, uh, what's the name of the place again? Oh, know. Cooper something. Cooper Pedy. No, it's not Cooper no. Pedy. It's not Cooper Pedy. No, Cooper Pedy is a town where they actually filmed it, that's it. Yeah. Where they filmed, uh, well, Pitch Black. When right, we but, also, but also uh, Cooper's Crossing, Doctors. Cooper's Cooper's Crossing Cooper's that's it, yes. Miller and Cooper Pedy also gets mentioned, but that's the big city. Oh, wow. Uh, but, <laughs> and, and, and where actually most of the filming was done. But uh, <laughs> I'm reminded of um, Do South, the Canadian program, yeah. where you have the, the, the Mountie who goes to the big city and yeah. his previous, like the biggest city that he's ever is, is been the one to. With was, that, is that lovely, with that lovely dog of his? Diefenbaker, yes. named for... Uh, an early Canadian Prime Minister, yes, where his previous experience with, you know, he was previously placed in Bucksnort, but he couldn't get used to the sort of metropolitan uh, <laughs> attitude of, oh, sorry, no, Moose Jaw. Moose Jaw, as long as it's not Moose Knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Back on board. So, yeah, so did she do a lot of a lot of flying? What was her hair like, by the way? Because sure, but it's very similar to what she's wearing here. Oh, really? Yeah. I was associated with the with the sixties. I was going to say. I, I was going to say. 20s, I, I, I associated with Romulans, but oh yeah, I mean uh, a traditional boy's haircut, right? Yeah, uh, worn by a, 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 a sexually no. mature woman is an incredible look. Mm-hmm. But God. no, she wore she wore a very similar haircut, like a little bit longer than this, but uh, very uh, similar cut. But yes, Creighton's betrayal. Crace. Crace's. Crace's betrayal. Sorry, I got my C's mixed up. Yes, finally it happens. He sells out to Scorpius. Did it, you buy it in no. this moment? Well, let me see what I wrote down. Yeah, um, because he sells it really well. Yes. Okay, my little note is finally we get Crace's betrayal, or was that the plan? Are we dealing with an unreliable narrative here? Because, yeah. because I, as I said, when, when we first had, like, at the end of Ien Junyensh, mm-hmm. I was definitely, okay, they have the plan, and then they have the real plan. Ah, uh, yeah, there's the plan that we has been revealed on screen. Yes, and, and I was thinking, like, okay, maybe this is part of the actual plan. And the narrative isn't showing yeah. us the actual plan that they made. Which yeah, is like... Farscape you know, has kind of played with our expectations a few too many times for us to be really innocent. Which, no, I get that, yeah. <laughs> which I kind of dig that they go sort of both ways, because they have had moments where the actual plan was way more complicated and comprehensive than what we saw. Mm-hmm. But they are also very stupid a lot of the times. They're very <laughs> yes, stupid yes, yes, and very are. selfish, and yes. they just make mistakes. And they no, and- absolutely, that's uh, that's very good. So yeah, he sells out to Scorpius, and Scorpius buys it. Uh, he goes to Scorpius and says, "Like, ah, well, they're not actually planning on giving it to you." It's amazing how much Scorpius gives before receiving that, mm. because he Crace walks in there with a demand, and Scorpius goes, "Oh, fuck off!" You have something for me? Yes. Demand. Get him out of my Get him out of my sight. Yeah. And then he says, "No, I demand that the weapons on the Leviathan be replaced, and that I be placed in charge, and alongside Laurel." That- as soon as Laurel is mentioned, yeah. Then he starts to listen. Ah, yes. I didn't catch that, but yeah. 
And then he also says, Scorpius says, well, uh, if Grazer comes back and ousts me, which he is preparing yes. to do... Uh, Captain Thunderboobs, or what was what, How did John refer to her again? No, uh, <laughs> no Captain, Cle- Captain Clever- Cleaverage. Commandant Cleaverage. Commandant Cleaverage, that's it. I love Captain Thunderboobs. I mean, she really, really... I mean, the girls are really working for her. Uh, and it says, but no, but if you have it notarized, then it's still going to be... Right, okay. if you put in the orders before you disc- fall to disgrace, then it's going to be fine. And Scorpio says, I accept your terms. Yeah. Uh, to Bracca's continuing... Bracca does not get a lot of screen time, but he gets some fantastic eye acting in. Yes, that's right. <laughs> the, the camera constantly cuts back to him going, but, 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 but miss, and but then, miss. Yeah. <laughs> I did everything right. I'm supposed to... Oh. Yeah, poor Bracca. He's, he wants to be such a good boy and he gets At so least little. he gets to be in the room where it happens. I suppose, yeah. Interesting scene with Erin, who is, like, tending to a little peacekeeper girl who's been bullied by her fellow peacekeepers and then gets told off by her ex-friend. Henta. Henta, that's the one, yeah. I mean, ex, I want to say, right? There is there's there ex-girlfriend there's, Yeah, vibes. there seems to be something like, well, besties, you know, BFFs. It's like, what more? I got more. They and have they, definitely recreated, dude. Yeah, probably. Right? Okay. I mean, two fit young women like that in a sort of sexually open environment on yeah, high stress. No, no, and I get that. Yeah. Like, that would not... It would be uncharitable to either of their characters to assume that they would need Philip Nectar to sort of... I mean, they're... You saw how how Eren was with Crichton in the one with the storm and the Lakmaratabi, Lakmaratabi, Sons and Lovers. Mm-hmm. That she's just all about, hey, we've got the hots. Here's a technique. Let's bang. Yeah. <laughs> There's a special technique that we learn. You'd fucking. Yes. Yeah. You just, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's called banging. And we're, <laughs> I'm actually really good at it. <laughs> Works really well. Relieves all the tension. Yeah. Now, if only they could relieve some of this tension because. Henta makes a good point to Erin. Uh, she says, hey, don't make her soft. Yeah, and... Because and she er- says to this girl, like, let it bleed, let it scar, go off, you're wanted. No, and not, not only that, Henta actually slaps the little girl on the hand with her uh, uh, instructor's cane whip or something. Yeah. Uh, after Erin treats it, and then they have a little standoff, and it's just like, okay, yeah, she's just being a bitch. And she's like... I don't think that actually gets resolved, that whole arc between... Hen- oh, no, it does get resolved. It, it turns into crispy fried PK. Uh, unlucky fried sebation, I yes. think it's called it in the past. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, like, here is the gulf between her and Henta. Like, they were they were besties, they were, yes. they were co-pilots, whatever. Everyone in her unit has been demoted yeah. permanently until Eren has been retrieved. Well, um, and I think it's mostly for Eren that she is thinking... And she sees Henta and she goes like, that could, would have been me. Exactly. If I hadn't gone through what, what if I hadn't gotten onto Moya. Yeah. And she, I mean, she's actually thinking that, well, there's more to life than just peacekeeper doc- doctrine. And she doesn't use those words, but it's something like that. Well, very close. Like yeah. she says, there's so much you don't know. That's it, yes. Which is so weird because like three episodes ago, she decided to shut herself off again, right? At the end of yeah. the, the choice. But apparently like, that didn't take for very long. Well, that is the the sort of nature of life decisions that you make in the throes of unresolved depression. Yeah. They don't really stick, and they don't really help. No. All right. So, the Jewel and Rigel and Dargo and Chana get picked up and arrested. (laughs) Yeah. I love how they all got together. Well, we did our part of the plan. Let's, oh shit, the Rosers. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> like this whole throwaway part of like the distraction that yeah they, uh, they that gathered all the information they got all the data that they needed that we to, never like, cared about no and it's like oh crap and we're arrested more scenes between uh, Kokuru and John yes and then Scorpius just casually shows up hey and by the way don't like don't worry about that plan that you had because all your friends are arrested anyway back to work and, love kisses right but it actually turns out that he is you know in the clear I, mean, I think that to me, it looks like Scorpius here realized that no, actually, John is working for him. Like he, he looks, he sees what he's doing. He sees how excited the other dude is, and he realizes that, oh wait, he is actually working. Like there's, there's some discontinuity here between what Chris oh, uh, just told him, because Chris just told him that like John is not cooperating, but now yeah. he comes back into the research center and he sees that John is cooperating, and yeah. there is actual progress being made. So there's a discontinuity here between the, like, the, the betrayal that Christ just informed him about and what he actually is observing that is uh, going on. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Let's follow that thread. Because I think that Scorpius recognizes a lot in, in Crichton uh-huh. and recognizes correctly that Crichton is torn between his desire to resist the peacekeepers but also his desire to solve this problem. Right. Because that can get him home. And he is a scientist. He is mm. a science jock. He loves this shit. He would genuinely love to crack it, yes. no matter how, how badly he wants the peacekeepers not to have it. And so now that I can just sort of take away this distraction, oh, yes, do you remember how you were stalling to save your friend? They're already under arrest, so you don't, you don't have don't to worry, have about, to worry that. about that. Yeah. It's actually interesting because that presents an interesting uh, dichotomy between various sides of Crichton, which are mirrored in the people around him. As you can see uh, right at the end with uh, Kokuru. Ko- Strapa. Kokura Strapa. Kokura Strapa. Kokura yeah. Strapa. Sorry, I'll, I'll write that down. I'm just like... Write that down in your copybook. Uh, Kokura Strapa. I love his smile. Strapa. At, at the end, he goes full science, like, oh, no, we must do this. We must, like, unlock it. And John is like, no, wait, this is too important. It's like some knowledge is not meant to be known. It's not just science. Yeah, it's it is never It's just, just science. science, exactly. And the scientist side, Strapa is the, is the scientist side of John, who wants, who, yes. wants to, who wants to solve it and wants the technology. Yes. <laughs> Oh, my God, yes. And Scorpius is the highly sort of motivated strategist and the, the, the sort of driven by vindictiveness. Right. And John is torn between those two sides. <laughs> Whoa. He attacks Chris once, once Scorpius right. delivers this, uh, yeah. this new... You are dead! You are dead, man, Chris! Chris, <laughs> but, but inevitable betrayal. Yes. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> that was Ben Browder's insight. Like, originally it was scripted that he would attack uh, uh, Scorpius again. Yeah. But Ben Browder felt very strongly that if he saw Kreis present there, he would piece it together. Yeah. That that would make him attack it, it doesn't get very far. There are guards there. Yes. They were ready. They got pulled apart. It's like, oh, whatever. But he's so angry at his own trust, at someone that he's mistrusted for so long, and he finally got over that, and he feels so stupid and, 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 betrayed. and betrayed and weak. Um, and, and yet, almost immediately afterwards, they can have a little threesome talk together about what's going on and how they're going to solve this problem. Yeah. So we get a quick glimpse of the cell block where Chi, Jewel, right? I mean, all the non... Ev- yeah. Yeah, everyone in makeup. Yeah. <laughs> everyone in makeup said to get gets to sit in a cool room. We've been seeing a l- very little of Shana and Jewel uh, in the, the last few episodes, which I think is a bit of a shame. I agree. Yeah. I mean... They kind of didn't want to be here anyway, so it was sort of... Fair point. I'd be really interested to, like, talk to the writers and see, like, is it just billing? 
Was there some kind of idea that you'd do more with them here? Well, otherwise, I guess they'd have to be on Moya and they'd be imprisoned there because Moya was imprisoned as well. So yeah, might as well put them somewhere more interesting and give, uh, yes, uh, give more I people suppose a chance so. to talk. They're kind of superfluous to the story at this point. So right. unless you want to in- involve them more, you get need to get more of a B-plot going. Uh, yeah. And yeah, that's not what they need at this point, I guess. So it's a shame for the characters and... But I think it's story-wise, it doesn't hinder it. John goes to meet Erin at her request in the f***ing Aurora chair room, yep. which, it, like, did you recognize it? Oh, yeah, absolutely, immediately. It was, it was a surprise to me. I'd forgotten that it was there, and mm. I just... John just casually walking up to a, an Aurora chair yeah. and not freaking out about it. Well, I guess he has more to freak out about because Erin lured him there, but it's Grace who wanted to talk to him. Yes. And I think, is this where they, like, devised a plan of how to, like, blow up the the command carrier? Well, this is where Kray says, I was still following the plan. Right. Except you didn't have an idea of how to do it. No. I do. And I I needed to get, like, Scorpius on board, or at least believing him. And, yeah, Kray manages to convince John that what he did was actually to the advancement of the plan. Because Aaron believes him. Yes. Aaron insists that John listen to him, and she, like... She doesn't say it in so many words, but yeah, John trusts Aaron's judgment and and Aaron has clearly had conversations with, well, or maybe not. Maybe she just gets it. Like, they don't talk a lot, Grace and uh, and Aaron, in this episode. No, they might have done some else. Grace goes have a uh, a walk and talk with Laurel. Yeah. I didn't realize at the time, but after what we talked about, like how, how things are going to develop further, he is basically giving her a way out. He, he he very publicly slaps her down and tells her that, like, oh, whatever you think. Tell me, tell me. Tell Scorpius it's not going to work. Next time he sends someone to spy on me, send someone I care about. He basically gives her yeah. pl- plausible deniability of not being involved. This was amazing because yeah. I remembered this very differently. I watched this and I remembered this as Crace uh, showing off like, haha, I knew that you were a spy from the beginning. Right. I, I don't believe you. But now I'm with you. Yeah. Like, he's giving it, uh, he, he clearly cares. He's, he's giving her a way out. He's like, by doing yeah. this very publicly and very noisily, like everybody can like, sh- sh- yeah, she has plausible deniability that she yeah. was not involved that her, her Scorpius's plot to like infiltrate Crace's uh, uh, inner circle with her has failed and because uh, she isn't it clear yeah. she was betraying him right like right she, oh totally she told him that she was spying on him but she was still loyal but she actually wasn't Spy- yeah, genuinely she- spying on him for Scorpius like that's where right. her loyalty is but he still cared enough about her yeah to do this for her Yes. John manages to convince Scorpius to allow him to go to Moya, where he has a uh, little talk with Pilot, where they explain the plan that Talon's going to starburst, and that's going to be, yeah, the end of it. And Pilot and Moya actually agree and realize that, yes, we don't want this, but it is probably the best solution. What an incredible sort of, like, emotional place to to, to be in. Yes. It kind of surprised me, because considering how, how violently protective Moya has been of Talon... Yeah. In the past, to just suddenly go ahead and agree with this. But yeah, I, I really love that. You give Moya my love. And her love to you. As well as mine. That, and that was like, yeah, that was really touching and lovely. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know if you're going to see you again, but 
you know, this, if, if we don't see each other, goodbye. If not, then, yeah. That was a very touching moment. Yeah. And this is real, like, Farscape stuff. This is where in the midst of these giant stakes, galaxy-destroying weapons and uh, threats from all sides and principles conflicting with nobility and sacrifice and uh, whatever. And John, like, part of the plan was John wanted to tell Talon's mum what was going to happen. Yes. Right? To... Not to clear it. Like, it's not... There's nothing strategic about it, but she deserves to know. Yes. Plus, it also makes... Probably makes things go smoother when it actually go down. Because otherwise she would have, like, probably a panicked reaction and might react in a way that is detrimental to the plan. I like but, to think that that's, that wasn't in, in John's heart in this moment. No, but it probably doesn't hurt. No, yeah, uh, I mean, it certainly it doesn't, doesn't hurt, hurt. But, like, if keeping it a secret... Like, if, if John thought that keeping it a secret would be better, strategically... Mm, he might still not have done it, yeah. He would still have told her, I right, think. Because, yeah. 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 Uh, John manages after that goes because uh, ostensibly he went to Moya to get his uh, pod because Grace asked for a distraction yes and, he and goes, John oh, says oh I can make a distraction and he basically taunts Scorpius into getting into the Firescape 1 module with him he does it so brilliantly because he doesn't invite him straight away. No. He says, well, I have an idea about why my module survived it. Because it's unshielded and bloody bar and Okay, so uh, let's get you some pilots. No, no, no. It's just got to be me. Otherwise, they'll make a mistake. But if... Oh, oh, oh. You're worried that if I die, you'll die? Well, uh-huh. why don't you just come along? Unless, of course, you're too scared. Because he's doing the same thing that Scorpius was doing before. You, you clocked that very correctly. Scorpius recognized that deep down, Crichton really wants to crack it. Yes. And Crichton recognised that about Scorpius as well. Like, yeah, it's all about revenge, but you also just really want to crack it. You've got that kind of scientific go fever, which, like, even not being scientists ourselves, I think we can totally relate to that when you get super obsessed with a particular hobby or whatever and you just want to fucking nail it. Yes. I'm swearing a lot. I'm so sorry. You're going to have a lot of editing to do this episode. There's going to have to be a bit of a bleeping on that. Well, at least Uh, I'm... We only did once. The DRDs are going to have a ball today. (laughs) (laughs) And then I have no idea why they put the sort of cabcom, the communications between basically Canaveral and the shuttle, over the PA system on the entire ship. Because you see everyone sort of looking up. And listening. And yes, that's weird. The Scorpius and John and Strapper communicating over the like, what is the point? True. Okay, back in the NASA era, you've got what they call the big loop, is basically the, the primary communication uh, channel, which you hear the, most of the countdown net on. And especially during missions, most people, higher-ups with enough cloud, would just have a speaker in their room, which had that channel playing, with, which had that loop right. playing, just so they could like listen in on what was being said. And, and that's only the major communication. That's only the, the, the big stuff, not all the separate... Interdepartmental... Uh, yeah, not, not the yeah. interdepartmental communication. So that would be like... Cabin crew, right? Yeah, and literally, literally communication capcom, capcom to the ship. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I can kind of see how that would happen, but it seems weird for a science mission. I like the idea that maybe sort of different sort of workplaces can tune into different radio stations, and they yeah. just chose this sort <laughs> of like my boyfriend is really into uh, Formula One, and we've got a subscription yes. to the thing where you can switch different audio channels on your computer, or and it's really fascinating to is, yeah. uh, see it from so many different perspectives. So maybe that's just a, a bit of fun that they're having. So yeah, we have a protracted scene with them zooming through the wormhole. Not really so good. 
gorgeous. It's gorgeous, but it doesn't really achieve. I mean, it's a distraction, and I guess it's played for that because it doesn't really achieve anything other than the fact that they can go in and go out again stably. You're right. I mean, it's heartbreaking, but you you are kind of right. But it's a special effect that I really love still because mm-hmm. it's so expensive. Rendering water is so expensive, and that's what it looks like. Yeah. And I guess they sort of cut together bits from the original pilot, bits from Wait for the Wheel, when you had the uh, yes. the Pathfinders with their successful transition of wormholes. Because they go into a bit of instability. They must be gathering a lot of data because it goes smooth, goes rough, goes smooth again. And yes, apparently this was enough for Scorpius to be distracted long enough. Yes. I mean, Scott goes like super excited. For Crace to... Okay, walk up to, what did you call him again? The, the Slavic sort of Czech-looking... Oh, I think I referred, we could call him Tarkin, but... Tarkin. I mean, he looks a little bit like... <laughs> who stops Kreis and says, Will, you may not know this, but... Don't know what accent I'm doing there. You may not know this, but I've actually been ordered that if you try it again, I get to kill you. So yeah. prepare to be killed. And he just goes, like, oh, that's a shame, looks at this... Th- Thing in his hand, hand grenade that he's holding. Toss, casually tosses it behind him. I think it's a flashback, not a hand grenade. But yeah. Aaron Tarzan's in, and somehow two people in a in a sort of completely open space take out f- five, five, six. Oh, yeah. So you, up in this point, we've seen a few shots of Aaron walking around with this coil of rope around her shoulder. That's right. And what was the rope for? <laughs> no, and she yeah, she Turns suddenly out. ties in, in 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 true video game style. In the next shot, she immediately has that same rope coiled back over her shoulder again. She she, she unhooked that really quickly from the ceiling and uh, got elvish it, rope and cut it back over Just her give it a shoulder. Little tug. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they take out five armored people in helmets. How do you punch someone? Uh, I have you know, no idea. It's I guess like, it's all pantak jab, pantak yeah. jab, pantak jab. And then there is. No words. There's no words between Aaron and and Chris, which I kind of love. But she touches his face and says, now you go. Yeah. And there's so much not being said here, which breaks my heart. But now I realize there's probably a lot of fan fiction. So maybe we can find out some more about that. Yes. Because there's... This is the last time that we see... um, What do you think Chris's feelings toward uh, Aaron are? Uh, looking back over the whole series, that we've, oh, he's that we've clearly seen. He, he's clearly into her. He's, he's clearly uh, in love yeah. with her, right? Uh, he's like, yeah, he's made many offers to, for her to join him to tempt him away, her away from Moya, and uh, yes, he would like nothing more than to to go off gallivanting around the galaxy with her. I don't think that he has the emotional maturity or completeness to really articulate what he actually wants, mm. right? I don't think he can Possible, think about yeah. those relationships. But like, even in the choice when she was coming on to him. Like, so, so cruelly, and he yeah. was just tolerating it. Oh, there was someone on Twitter. I, I don't know. I don't remember exactly their handle or how they want to be uh, referred to, so I'll keep that uh, discreet. But they mentioned that he's in love with her, and that's just how he feels. He never makes any demands from her. He never even blames Crichton or whatever. It's just what he feels. And in this moment as well, they recognize with each other. And, like, those words. Now you go. There's... Who says that? That's almost parental. It's very loving. Like, we both know what you need to do. Yes. and I, well, okay, She can so- give him the, the sort of courage and determination and the sort of confidence that he needs. Because yeah. that is what they're, they're talking about. He needs just a little bit more courage to go and do what they both need know is the only thing that he can... He can oh, I'm sort of breaking up here. Yes. 
Uh, just me then? There was a lot of... Once again, just me? No, no, no. I get that. Oh, no, I, I can I, see... I noticed that, like... You're I having mean, an emotional breakdown. Was I like, I mean... I, Okay, so the writing style at towards the end of these episodes <laughs> kind of confused me a little bit. Cause oh, there, oh dear. Because there was like a lot of people who were seemingly willingly to, you know, you know, throw their own fate in through either suicidal levels or as in uh, memory wipe uh, levels of commitment. Which oh, was all, Which yes, was all done that. very... It was all introduced and executed on very short notice without mm. actually being explored in the story. It's just like it was used... It was a device to... Uh, progress the story and get the plot going where it yes. where they wanted it to go, but it was almost like we have to attribute meaning to it for, uh, from ourselves from what we know. It was very it was very done very minimalistically, I suppose, from the uh, from the producer's point of view. I I I fully understand how you feel, but coming at this from like a rewatch, I feel very differently about it. Uh. I completely shared your sentiments when I watched this that like it just came out of nowhere and it hit me so hard. But I've been watching this whole season, and for me, like as much as this has been right. Aaron's season, right? Yeah. It really has. I've been watching it to to see Crace grow into the man who can make this decision. Right. Yes. And the lessons that he's been learning, and uh. the sets that have been built for Talon that they knew <laughs> were going to be. I mean, this was a huge sort of conspiracy, right? Yeah. Everyone involved. This was about uh, getting Talon to to being able to do it being able to build all these sets that you could have this ginormous environment that really sells like this this planet size well city sized uh, uh, ship oh yeah so yes it's been underplayed but we've been largely distracted by Crichton mm. so that we've not been watching this this what's maturity that's with, been been going on which has just been, been developing yeah absolutely fascinating there's a lovely scene where with Crace talking to Talon who apparently has been slowly slowly rebooting is being brought back to consciousness I guess there's some sort of time discontinuity and that Crace has been aboard the whole time that John's been running Scorpius yeah through the wormholes so to keep him distracted so he could get Talon booted up again yeah and oh he's so comforting yes. Very right. much so. Like, no need to be afraid. I'm here. He's playing his older brother role. But also being very honest yeah. and catching him up. Our friends are captured. Mm, no thanks to me. Sort of catch, just <laughs> casually sort of neglecting to mention that because of, well, but he didn't have much of an option. And uh, Moya will be enslaved unless we do something radical. Yep. And which means starbursting. Which they do. I mean, after uh, John and Scorpius uh, come back from the uh, their little jaunt through the uh, wormhole. I love that Scorpius is sort of yeah, up against the uh, side of the yeah, prowler. You, you need to get your, uh, your wormhole your legs. legs. First time is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Scorpius is excited. He's seen that it works. He knows that it's stable. Yeah, uh, he calls it without description when yeah. he's in there. And then he immediately gets yanked back into the reality of what's going on as Grace holds his farewell speech. Absolutely unparalleled cinematography, like the uh, the slow sort of steady cam shots around Scorpius that you can see him reaching various levels of realization. Yeah, like, what th- am I this look to? on Wayne Wayne Pyogram's face here, yeah. kind of like this horrified dawning of realization. Yes, what's going on? <laughs> because he's so far from the suspicion where he started. He's yep. had so much elation and wonder, and now he has to get back to the sort of basic suspicion. Oh shit, he's betraying me. And even then, he has two more levels of realization of what this betrayal means. Because he would never have imagined that Kreis could sacrifice himself. No. 
Right? No. He hasn't seen the growth that, that Chris has experienced. And even just the brief shots, and from Scorpius's point of view, of Crichton. Yeah. Who is, he's got a good poker face here now. Yeah, he's standing like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> right? He's playing this thing where this wasn't my plan, but I actually like to see you going down. Yeah, this so- is like, I'm down, I'm cool. Braca gets in a few more acting shots as well when he's just looking around, staring around at the... Uh- yeah, he goes, oh, the transmission is coming from the Leviathan. Oh, oh the Leviathan is powering up. Oh, it's going to maximum power. Oh, dear. Oh, it doesn't seem to be wanting to escape. Oh, that's weird. That's odd, isn't it? Yes. Oh, gosh, that's weird. I wonder what's up there. And, and, and Scorpius is no. And we actually get probably the clearest shot that we've ever had of talent so far. Escape. Uh, sorry? Escape. So far, escape. Sorry? Yes, so far, escape. Yes. Because uh, yes. like, he's always been like shot towards a dark background. And so now you can see him like hanging in this huge hangar. You can actually get a complete good yeah, you're look of right. what, uh, what Talon actually looks like. It's like this I mean, that's always been so intriguing because he's mostly black with a little bit of red right. in a black environment. Like, Yeah, you can barely see him. And now you can suddenly get a good look of I this it, beautiful little ship who folds in his arms as he uh, prepare for Starburst. I was with you, by the way. Like initially when I saw Starburst and you saw the sort of dimensional ring float across the skin and then yeah. coalesce and like I thought, well, maybe they made it out. But yeah. I don't know. This was one of many sort of torments that Farscape has visited on us. Yeah. Also at this point, I was still hoping for uh, a Zan to come back in season four, which right. she didn't. No. And so I will not let you go through this. I no. will not let you. <laughs> okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Buddy, you... you... Nobody deserves this. <laughs> but yes, with Talon gone, the oh, ship... Oh, come on, we've got to talk about like oh. that that final speech because there's also the, the conversation, like something we can do together and just those words, Talon, Starburst. Yeah. And oh. he's like, he closes his eyes and stands there in defiance, like, I will not leave quietly this time. No. <gasps> oh. And boom. Yeah, it hits the fan. The effect it has is cataclysmic, but slow. Like, they've got... As I say, yeah, the heart, heart of the ship gets ripped out and the structural support is gone and now it's going to start collapsing in on itself. This was the plan from the start. Like, it would have, it provide enough time for most people to escape. Most. Yeah. Most out of 50,000. Right, so yeah. what a What an incredible death toll they're still incurring. A, a lot of members of a a very bad sort of political organization, but basically nobody alive there ever harmed them. Not directly, no. Uh, maybe one or one or two, but no, nobody that I mean, they're this targeting. Was the, this or, was also the command carrier which has been chasing them and which has basically been... They've killed everyone that chased them. Right, yeah. More or less. Yeah. So, I mean... I mean, it's, that's not really, yeah, that's not really their fault. Defending that from the peacekeeper point of view is the look what you made me do, which is like, uh, argument. We didn't make you do yeah. anything. You decided to chase us and attack us, and if that ends in your death, that's on you, not on me. But... No, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this was under a diplomatic flag. True. Oh, no, that, was... that's absolutely true. <laughs> I'm sort of reminded of the Naked Gun films when Frank Drebin, the detective Frank Drebin, is being honoured for his, I think, 300th drug dealer kill. Oh, wow. Which is apparently a thing that happens with with police officers there. And he says, well, well, to be fair, like the last two I accidentally ran over while I backed my car out of the driveway. <laughs> but fortunately, they turned out to be drug, drug dealers. dealers. <laughs> yeah. Immediately, escape pods start launching away from the ship and we get a 
gorgeous shot of Pilot, who is watching the command carrier collapse, and of course Moya watching Talon die in the starburst that uh, sets this all off. And it's all they can ask each other. Yes, I see it. It's the only thing we can do. We can just keep our eyes open and watch. That's that's her boy taking out this monstrous ship that would have wreaked havoc on the universe and enslaved her. And that's my son. Um, Yes. No, it's like... I know, I know. You're still booting up the sort of emotional processing core in your cyborg (laughs) brain. Uh, oh, yeah. So, like, m- lots of shots of the uh, ship, uh, people starting to evacuate, the running towards the life pods. There's some, like. Erin goes to the park again. She goes to the park to, to help with the evacuation, to encourage everyone, like, it's not a drill, yeah. get out. That's her priority, to GTFO. get as many of these people. Yes. These children, these techs. So, meanwhile, in the steam room, the water feature that our listeners have uh, talked about suddenly erupts. <laughs> you get this gorgeous waterfall down the stairs, which I'm just thinking, okay. I suppose. It's, it's, it looks great, but why? That's, that's the lake. That's the lake oh, in the park. Oh, that's the lake. Oh. Like, that whole thing is cracking, and it's draining down oh, into the deck okay. below. I had no idea that was the lake. Oh. Uh, I know. I mean... It makes it, sense, but yeah. It, you see the statue falling up, apparently, like... Right. Um, Aaron was quite the bookmaker and ran a bit of a betting pool on which side the statue, which direction was the statue gonna was going to fall in. Because we weren't quite certain in which direction. They had. They probably had a few cameras in the different directions just uh, in case. Because Farscape is a generously budgeted science fiction program from the early 2000s, but it's still the early 2000s television. So all this water crashing down with, a, with one of their lead actors in front, they got one take. Mm, yeah. So everyone from the administrative offices from everywhere came to watch it. And like, no pressure, Wayne. Yeah. And there was a bit of an interview with him in the uh, Visual Companion book where he says, okay, so I was fully prepared. And as the water came down, I realized, wow, the tread on my boots has really been thinning this season, hasn't it? <laughs> it's a lot thinner than I really would want it to be. And then after the second step he took, he stepped on something under the water that sort of squished. And he realized, well... Better not put too much weight on that, because if I flail, I've ruined this one shot that we cannot do again. And so instead, he slowed way down, and he became super statuesque, and he didn't take the second step that he was scheduled to do. And and everybody was... I mean, it looks amazing. He's really proud of how it looked. Yeah, it does look great. I mean, it's dangerous, because people don't realize how little water you need to be able to swept away with, like... Oh, yeah. It's like if you get much more than ankle deep and it's fast running water, that is enough power to sweep you off your feet. Oh, yeah. It's, it, yeah. That'll, that'll sweep the leg. There's yeah. a lot of mass to water. And it's wet, so you've, you have these other actors with much better boots running around back and forth. Yeah. And he only made it up two steps, but I think it's better because then you get the full sort of weight of all that water coming down. Yeah, and him just like standing there looking at it and taking in what, it, what, what, what this all means. And he realized that his ship is a goner at this point. Yeah. Yep. And here is another scene that you were that we were talking about. Right. It's between uh, Scappa and John. Where John manages to convince this, this committed scientist that there are consequences to your decisions. Yeah, he does that really quick. Because he wants to, like, oh, no, I need to download the data, otherwise we lose it. And he goes, The like, data! Yeah, no, don't, because we don't want this out there. It's not just about the science. It's like, it very, will be... Very briefly, Strapa fights back when he realizes, you wanted this to fail. Yeah. And Crichton sort of wedges him back into his locker um, <laughs> yes. effortlessly, bullies him back down and explains to him a lesson that, like, this is to, to Strappa, the, the credit of, of Strappa's intellect, that he can learn this lesson so quickly and realize 
yeah, we were actually doing something truly horrific. Mm. And pointing out to Crichton, there is still a container of data, yeah. namely me. me. Yes. And he, yeah, again, there's one of these situations where some concept gets brought out and almost immediately resolved again. Because, yes, he allows, he, he willingly goes sit in the Aurora chair to have that information wiped from his mind. Why didn't it occur to Crichton to bring Strapper along? I know, right? It's like, yeah, you want to come? Were you thinking that? Yeah. It's like, well, why don't you just come with us? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He has this idea that Scorpius won't rest until he finds me. Well, Scorpius also won't rest until he finds me. So if both of us together, that actually changes nothing. I'm not in more danger. You're not in more danger. No. But and- yes, he goes to the process of getting his mind blanked by the Aurora chair. Which Crichton evidently knows how to work, which is yeah. horrifying to think yes. about as well. Our crew manages to escape from the cell where there's a little bit of danger because the ceiling is collapsing and it's just like... I mean, that's why they managed to escape. Right. Like, they even had this chat earlier where they're talking about... Chiana's optimistic. We've been in worse scrapes than this. Uh, and Darko goes, well, I was in prison for eight years before this. And <laughs> Rigel's like, yeah, 136. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got lucky. Yeah. And then I escaped. Which sort of puts the damper on Chi and Jules' cavalier idea. Apparently, the peacekeeper's really good at jail. Yeah. But when the ship starts to implode and the ceiling comes down, then the bars buckle and you yeah. can actually make it out. Dargo gets in touch with Pilot, manages to give voice commands to the Growler to get yes. to come and get them. Weapons and shroud system and save us. Yes. <laughs> come and get us. Help. <laughs> Which reminded me of, oh, we mentioned earlier, Firefly, where I think it was in Serenity, where the captain says, if I'm not back in 30 minutes, then you take the ship and you come and you rescue me, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's see. Erin and her uh, a little fling. Henta, like this, I was so hoping for common ground to be found between them, but it, there isn't. No, it was kind of clear that they everything had been branching away from common ground. It's like at the oh, at their at their point. first meeting, they were like, "Oh, hey, it's you." And then they had a little bit of good times, and then almost immediately, when they were sitting in the mess, Aaron was getting more and more realization that she does not belong here anymore. Yeah, uh, and that like yeah. what she did was not the wrong thing, despite what Henta believes it to be. Uh, and what she's doing now, which Henta very correctly points out when she says, "Well, you." You did this. Yeah, well, we bought you time. Most of you will survive. Most. What the f***? You're still killing a whole bunch of people that you grew up with, right? We played together as children. Yep. Uh, And you are now setting our playground on fire with new children in it. Speaking of on fire, there's like some sort of plasma conduit bursts. Aaron steps aside and Henta gets like quite horrifically burned by it. Yeah, it it may comfort you to know that Dave Elsie's original design was way more graphic. Oh, wow. Even for, way more so than this. Yeah, Dang. this was toned down. Ugh. And he also originally wanted Henta to be crawling toward uh, oh, lovely. Uh, Aaron yeah. to make it a bit worse. I mean, a fantastic stunt. Obviously, it's not easy to... Uh, oh, burn stunts are always difficult and dangerous, yeah. Well, that's why you get the professionals. Right, yeah, of course. But right, they, still. Can, uh, they can do it responsibly and safely, and they have the flame-retardant outfits. But yeah, combining that with the makeup, oh, this, like all the special effects here, the, the oh, CGI, yeah. among others, but... So, final scene between Scorpius and John. John Crichton. Commander John Crichton. Generations will know that name. 
because of you, very soon. The Scarrans will destroy us. One evil at a time. That's the best I can do. Tommy, Gandhi, you still going after Earth? To what purpose? Vengeance against you? The only vengeance I cared about is no longer within my grasp. It's like I don't have a personal grudge against Earth, and yeah, I'm not gonna. Yeah, it's like this this catharsis for both of them, because for both of them, it's. It's over. Yes. For Crichton, they're, because they're standing in this hangar, which is split apart by a sort of a volcanic trench uh-huh. in special effects that hold up pretty well. It looks great. I think. Yeah, right? no, absolutely. Uh, some of the worse. Com- it looks more real than a lot of the cheap... Uh, the, the, a lot of the cheap digital effects these days, it looks like cheap digital effects. I mean, they can get fantastic digital effects, but the, the blending doesn't really work. Yeah. It, that's what you see most pro- uh, problems these days. And this is because this is still largely practical. It looks great. Even the space scenes hold up. Yeah. The, it's amazing for the show Partly for 20, 20 years old at this point. It's like, it still looks so, so good. Because they're so stylized as well. Like, uh, and actually, for a moment here, I... Th- Almost thought that John was going to offer Scorpius to come with them. Right? I know, right? It's this. <laughs> Apparently, we're supposed to infer that this sort of. I mean, there's a chasm of fire, but that's a monster truck level chasm of fire that a motorcyclist can. can I, uh, yeah, can I, didn't, leap I didn't even particularly notice that. Uh, you could have jumped, but yeah. it's a chasm that separates them, and so all they can do is, is talk with each other. But I think in this moment, even John's hatred or vengeance towards Scorpius is resolved because he's, yeah. he's he's got his own back he's taken his revenge he's resolved this there's nothing more between them here no he knows that he still has the wormhole information but like what can he do with it he yeah. doesn't have a gamak base he doesn't have any political exactly. authority he, he knows that he's like, he, he knows it. he's completely screwed in that regard yeah and Crichton as well, like, this is so and we stay in this moment for so long oh yeah, it's a protracted scene it would have been interesting for him to uh, offer. Well, then you know he didn't offer uh, a, a ride along to Strapa, so no. Clearly, that isn't uh, on his mind. Fair point. Yes, but Aaron it's... gets a new prowler. Yay! Finally, <laughs> finally. I was just like, yay! She gets a new one, <laughs> and it's an even faster one. And you can tell because it had red stripes on it. Oh yeah, red ones go faster. Oh, I remember somewhere in the middle of season three, there was sort of. Stupidly going, well, oh, where's the prowler? Aaron knows that a plan. Yeah, it got crushed last season. Yes. Do you remember the hugely tragic thing, Kaki? <laughs> and she's got a prowler back, and Dargo and, and Rigel and Chi and Jewel are on the growler, and John's on his module. Yeah. And it does one of the Farscape, once again, does one of its tricks where it goes to commercials. And then it comes back after the crisis is abated. Oh, yeah. There is no f- f- final dramatic atmospheric nope. burn-up scene of the uh, command carrier or it completely imploding on itself, including or with a ring explosion. No. Moya got away from... I mean, it was still a support fleet. Yeah. I mean, she can starburst. Yeah, that's... Oh, yeah, that's true. And she uh, didn't have a control collar fitted, so... That's, and like, nobody was bothering to target her. Everybody the- was probably way too busy in rescue operations to, like... Yeah. Hey, by the way, just a quick tip for for starship design. When you design your escape craft, right, that come out of the hangar, 
don't aim the hangar at the ring around your ship so no, that they definitely yeah. crash against like a bunch of funny that yeah uh, uh, crashed against their own frag cannons but so we we come back on moya and the vibe is really chilly yes because everybody's talking about splitting up again yeah, Leaving. as if a conversation has been had that we uh, haven't seen. Because Darko and Rigel are there, and, and Darko's saying, like, we all knew that the time would come. That uh, we're going uh, to be leaving, yeah. Asking Tiana what she going to do. Well, maybe find the resistance. And Yes, and Pilot talking to uh, Jewel about, like, well, if, if we do find your, your people, and would you leave? And she's in tears, and she says, well, I won't be the only one. Yeah. And we end with John and Aaron just sitting in the viewport on the command, and John still doodling scribbling, on his arm. Scribbling more information on his arm, yeah. And actually nothing is said between the two. No. It's a very Farscape ending. And that's when you turned to me and asked, hey, this isn't the season finale, is it? Yeah, I, no. I could assure you that, <laughs> no, because this would have been awful. This would have been just dreadful if this had been the finale, where nothing is said. No. Exactly. It's, I'm just like, oh. Powerful episode. Powerful episode. Okay, now... Like so many of our heroes, we have some choices to make. Namely, she gives me a Woody. She gives you the Willies. Ooh, let's see. Yeah. Uh, uh, what am I going to say to that one? Okay, I guess my Willie goes to the flash fried PK. That was a bit of a yeah. <laughs> oh, poor that was Enter. like oh god, yes. She didn't have it come, have that coming. That no, was right. A, uh, but none of them did. No, like aside from probably a few incidentals or whatever, I and mean, like a lot of war criminals on the ship. But they didn't kill anyone who hurt them. No, they, well, they don't I mean, even know who they killed. Well, no, yes, like but, a certain but, percentage. But you know, peacekeepers, peacekeepers are not the good guys here. That doesn't mean that individual peacekeepers deserve something like this. But in yes. general, you can't really fault them for, you know, getting. Uh, yeah, yeah, they lose a big ship. They're harassing these people for no real reason other than more power or more military might. And if you then get your, you don't get to complain about that if you, someone strikes you back. They are murdering a lot of peacekeepers. Yes. Who were minding their own business, not currently oppressing anyone else. They weren't saving anyone currently in need of saving. They weren't resolving any no. injustice that was happening here now. This is true. This yeah. was a scientific outpost with, yes, a huge military presence and, yes, lots of war criminals there. But they weren't doing anyone any harm right now. And our heroes still killed a bunch of them. True. So mm-hmm. that is a stain on there that Henta very rightly points out. Mm. You don't get to walk away thinking that you're a hero. You just killed a bunch of people. No, very good point. So, yes, um, Woody, Woody, Woody. Ooh, ooh, let's see. I love the scene between John and uh, Scorpius right. in the, in, in the, uh, during the wormhole where uh, they go, go on a little joyride together. It's like it almost... Oh, that one? Yeah. Yeah, that's a... Which I one mean, were you thinking about? I was thinking about the finale with the sort of chasm oh, of Mordor. Oh, yeah, that too, yeah. But uh, yes, this sort of rapprochement, this... Like, they're actually approaching each other fairly honestly. They're sharing things that are honest. mm which is like the elation at science and the wormhole is really cool. Even though John is still scheming at that point, he loves it. Yeah. This is a flyboy. He gets, yeah, he gets to fly through his wormhole, I suppose. Uh, and show off to the one person in the universe who could truly appreciate the scientific miracle. Yes, very, very well put. But I think it actually has to go to the um, oh, Far Cry-esque what? Tarzan swoop of uh, Aaron uh, with, on, on, on her coil, and her magically coiling rope. <laughs> Her 
second rope. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. I wish he'd done a scream. I wish he'd done it a Tarzan so, yell. Or a Wilhelm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I think my Willy... Oh, I'm torn between the underuse of the other Moyans. Yes. Because, yeah, they're on board, but they don't really get to do anything. Yeah, they don't have any plot relevance. And, like, the the brevity of Kokura Strappa's character arc. Yes. It's to his credit that he went very quickly to the realisation that he's participating mm-hmm. in scientific horror. But I would have loved for him to have more time, because I really... I really love Strapper. Yeah, it would have been nice to see him uh, become come aboard as one of the crew. What the f*** would he have done? Cook? I don't know. I mean, Actually, yes. Probably, Definitely, yes. he would have become an amazing guest prominent. He's probably a good cook, yeah. And he could work with John on like more wormhole technology. You know, yeah. that would be a good... Yeah. Yes, he's a molecular gastronomer who's with a, with a PhD in gastrophysics. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I heard you laughing immediately, and I was like, he probably hasn't gotten it just yet. No, I'll give him I another got the second. The sec- there was a second <laughs> layer to that, yes. <laughs> and my Woody goes to Wayne Pygram. Yes. From his performances and the, in, in the beginning, threatening John and hanging out with Bracca, all those close-ups during Christ. Oh, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't let this go. Because... There's so much... No, because this is the end for Crace. This is the last performance of Lani Tupu as Crace. Of course, I can't give my Woody to to anyone else when he struts about and he's brought the captain back. Yes, that's very true. Yes, he is. Yeah, he is back to being the man in charge. Yeah, that, that thing that he used to value that he's learned is not the only thing that's valuable in the universe. But at this point, yeah, I still love it. Oh. Crace and Talon, Butch and Sun dancing into, oh God, into, yeah, into the, Oblivion. Into the night, yeah. yes. Oh, man, I hadn't even thought of that uh, angle yet. But yes, oh, the little scene in Bolivia at the end. Oh. Okay, I'm going to try something. I've just moved Crace E to like a fairly random point toward the end of the song. And let's see yeah. what Keelan King has to sing about to close out this episode. Please join us next time round for a round of Tales of the Uncharted Territories and the week after that for episode 322. Season finale! Dog with Two Bones, part one. Oh, they're finally go- they're <laughs> going to p- split parts over the end uh, seasons again. Now. Uh, oh, dear, dear, dear. In which the crew attempts to pay their respects while Crichton has visions of what could be, which lead him to a pivotal choice. Oh dear! Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm. I'm really thinking like, okay, well, hang on. There's a whole season coming. What are they going to do with it? What do you mean a whole season? This season is the four. end of the season. Yeah, but oh, season yes, four there is, is coming. Season four. What yes. are they going to do with season four? So they're going to have to like do. N- n- yeah. We have some We're speculating ha- yes. to do. Oh dear, yeah, we will do be fun. In the meantime, thank you so much for joining us on So Farscape. We're at So Farscape on Twitter and Facebook, and of course on Patreon as well. Thank you again to our many wonderful contributors who've helped us like buy this equipment and books that we've really been enjoying. If you want to contribute a fanfic or a synopsis, 
hey, we could sure use a bunch of those synopses. People have been coming out in droves. And surprisingly, not so many for the end of the season, which I can sort of understand. Uh. Like the heartbreaky ones, those are hard. Uh, but you can go to sofarscape.com slash links uh, and you can send us whatever you've got. We absolutely, absolutely love you. Um, and thank you for joining us for this uh, this whole adventure. I'm heartbroken and I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. So, so far, Escape's so, so good. good.